Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. 2020 has been a year like none other. With COVID, civil unrest, politics, and the presidential election, going virtual for churches, book festivals, and schools has become the norm. What would you feel like if in this tumultuous year you were named Kentucky Teacher of the Year? Well, let's ask Donnie Piercy, an educator at Lexington's Stonewall Elementary. Piercy has been named Kentucky Teacher of the Year and the state's Elementary Teacher of the Year. Along with the designation is an award of, yes, $10,000. Donnie, how does it feel? It definitely still feels a little surreal. Um, You know, I've gotten so many, I've received so many emails and congratulatory texts, not only from like former colleagues of mine, but uh, the ones that have been really cool are are the students who I've had over the last 14 years that, you know, now they're in middle school, high school, college, some of them are already starting to have families. And so to hear, to have these students that I remember from my my first class ever um, to reach out to me on Facebook. And then they always start with, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but, you know, it's like, of course I do. You remember that time when, when this happened? So it's definitely been, uh, it's been an experience and, and we're just getting started with this, right? Um, but, you know, part of the, uh, you know, the designation of Teacher of the Year is for the 21 or for the 20, you know, for the year 2021, um, being able to, to represent uh, all the educators in Kentucky is kind of what goes along with it. Um, and especially considering, like you mentioned, Bill, how, how hectic things have been, how much noise there is in the education space um, this year. It's definitely not something to take lightly. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be working with the Kentucky Department of Education. I'm going to be working with even the other two educators who um, ended up winning the element, the middle school and high school teachers of the year to to really see what we can put out there to First off, kind of, I don't know if necessarily, you know, quieting the noise is the phrase for it, but everybody get back to some semblance of of normal as things uh, continue to progress. It's definitely a challenge, but I do feel like as educators, we're up for it. So part of your um, charge, I guess, as uh, being the winner, you have to maybe do a little work for this too. Uh, And will you be traveling the state or attending uh, conferences or Zooming with other teachers? Uh, what comes with uh, your responsibilities as Teacher of the Year? So part of that's still being worked out. Um, you know, as Teacher of the Year, like if I wanted to, you know, I could take a, a six-month sabbatical um, with the Kentucky Department of Education that I can uh, kind of put forward a plan, a design for, hey, here's how I feel like, you know, my skill set, the connections I have, um, the experience that I have could, could best help Kentucky teachers moving forward. 
Um, you know, I'm still in the, the beginning process of, of that right now because, you know, the, the award was just a week and a half ago. I'm trying to work out exactly what that's going to look like. Um, and that's an option. That's not like a mandatory thing that, that I have to do. You know, in the ideal world and, and what I'm trying to, to, to make happen is some sort of hybrid model where I can stay uh, connected to my students. And that might be where I'm in the classroom three to four days a week and, you know, either traveling to conferences across the state one day a week um, or, you know, maybe uh, there's a week where I'm, I'm traveling. And so, you know, it's kind of that part still up in the air. But um, from talking to other former uh, Kentucky teachers of the year, I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's really just up to me how I feel that I can serve the Commonwealth best. Donnie, it's not something that um, you ran for. It's not an office that you no. uh, uh, <laughs> uh, were, were um, uh, we talked about the election. It wasn't something like, like that. You, you, in the few, uh, very few minutes that we had to uh, talk before we started uh, recording uh, I, I immediately get the sense that you're not the kind of guy that wants to talk about himself. You, you, you're a little uncomfortable being the center of attention, but, but this is quite an honor. So what, what does it really take to be a, a good teacher now? Well, I think the one word, which I feel like ha has been thrown around a lot. I, let me take that back. I feel like there's two words that that every teacher has heard a, a lot. And I feel like it's a quality that, you know, if you're in education for a, a long time, um, th there are two words that, that you just kind of start to take to heart. Um, the first word is resilience, Right. That 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 idea that, you know, in the education field, there, there's so much that that is just changing by the minute, it feels like. And, you know, in the era of covid that we're in now, where there's just so much that's up in the air districts. I mean, you know, it. districts are changing their plans by the minute, it feels like. Um, and so teachers like we have to be to, to best serve our students. Um, we, we really have to make sure that we're being very resilient with with our practice. Um, and, and sometimes that means, hey, waking up one morning and, and realizing that that lesson plan that we put together, that we were going to have to scrap that on the fly. OK, well, you know, that the students, you know, something's wrong with the Wi-Fi today. So, OK, y'all, we'll, we'll pick this up tomorrow. And other times it's just that understanding that halfway through a lesson, um, you know, maybe that video that you shared with them, it's not working or that, that lesson that you put together, they're just having a really difficult time understanding it through Zoom. Um, and, and so that, that idea of resilience, I, I feel like is something that a lot of teachers ha have really started to understand. But I don't think that that word just applies to teachers though. Um, you know, my wife and I, we, we have three kids and we're both working from home. Um, and I feel like there's so many parents that are also kind of thrust into this tough situation. Um, you know, in Fayette County, it's looking like we're going to be full remote for a long time. You know, right now they're saying through at least January, but I know, I mean, everybody knows they're going to be revisiting that kind of once the school year kicks up again. Uh, and so I know there's tons of parents who, you know, it's not just teachers who are, are struggling to figure out how to do their jobs and, and manage their own kids at home, where parents are thrust into this situation where, you know, they're trying to do what's best for their kid. They're trying to make sure that schooling happens. And they're also trying to stay on top of their work. 
Um, but I think the other word that I feel like a lot of teachers heard at the start of the pandemic, but are now really starting to understand the importance of it is, is that idea of grace. Um, and grace in, in terms of, hey, you know what? I understand that things are really hectic right now. And if you need an extension on this project, I'll give it to you. Or that understanding that, hey man, you know what? The Wi-Fi sometimes it goes out. There's nothing that you can do about that totally beyond your control. We can find some time later on this week when you and I can sit down one-on-one through a a virtual call to try to see if we can, uh, how I can help you finish this project. Um, And I feel like those are kind of the two big words that uh, a lot of teachers are, are just not only starting to throw around like, you know, educational jargon, but are really starting to take to heart so that way their students, one, they can stay connected to them. But more importantly, in, in long term um, or in the long term, that, you know, their, their learning keeps progressing. You mentioned parents and you mentioned teachers. Yeah. And you've talked about kids. It's been tough on kids, too, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, as I teach elementary school, you know, I've been teaching elementary school for, for 14 years now. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, everybody always kind of chuckles at kindergarten teachers for is those first two weeks, you know, it's such a a challenge. And so many teachers say like, hey, you know, uh, if I could hand out an honorary doctorate, I would give it to kindergarten teachers because, you know, the, the things that they have to do where they have five and six year olds coming into their, their classrooms for the first time um, and teaching them how to do school, how to learn, you know, how to do simple things like washing your hands or, or tying your shoes, then that's just if we were in the buildings, right? Now try to see what that looks like over Zoom. See what that looks like over a conference call where, you know, you've heard about school, maybe through a TV show that your parents have had you watch before. And your first impression of of your teacher um, is this person that you're only seeing the top half of their body through a tiny conference call. Um, So there's definitely so many challenges. Um, You know, you think of high school seniors that are wondering hey, are we going, going to have a graduation this year to, to celebrate? Um, you know, kids in middle school that are, are playing sports, there's so many games and stuff that are, that are being canceled and, and changed. Um, so that idea of resilience definitely applies to kids too. Were you always one of those who, when faced with a challenge or an opportunity, depending on how you looked at it, jumped right in immediately. And I want to take you back to the very uh, beginning of uh, the coronavirus when it now, and I think it was true at the time, seems like that we made a switch just like that. It was so sudden that one day we were normal. There were rumors and there were thoughts that we might have to do this and that. And then it happened almost like a switch was turned on or off and you immediately went into to action. Did you apply that mental preparation and and then acted on that almost immediately? So as a classroom teacher, right, we were kind of thrown into this unique situation 
where we had known these students for the six or seven months before that. And we had those connections. We had established that rapport. Um, they knew who we were. We knew who, who they were, right? And so definitely when the pandemic first hit last March, and it was March 13th was the last day that, that Fayette County Schools was in session. I know that because it's still written on the board in my classroom, right? I kind of refuse. It's like, I'm going to keep it up there until we get back in the building. But it was definitely the, the transition to go from, you know, being in person to being virtual. It was tough. But the fact that so many teachers had already developed those positive relationships with kids in the spring um, definitely made it. It wasn't easier. I mean, it wasn't easy, but it definitely helped make that process flow a little bit better because, you know, we were already in, uh, in touch with so many of their parents. They already knew us. We already had established if there was a online program like, you know, Canvas or Google Classroom that we were using, like they knew how to get to our, our stuff. Like, our, you know, here's our, our workspace. This fall, it, it was definitely a lot different because, I mean, I had seen some, I teach fifth grade, and uh, when I was given my, my roster for, um, you know, my students this year, we're able to go into our programs. Oh, that's what she looks like. That's what he looks like. Um, but, but that relationship wasn't there. Right? It wasn't established. And one thing that I feel like a, a lot of teachers across the state did those, those first two weeks where, um, you know, if we were in the building, a lot of times those, you know, those first two weeks, it's, hey, let's learn how things work in Mr. Piercy's class. Let's learn the routines. Let's learn, you know, a, a little bit more about one another. Let's, let's build and establish that rapport. So that way, once we figure out how things work, we can really dive into the learning because I've established a relationship with them and they know who I am. They know I care about them. They know I care about their learning. Trying to do that through Zoom is tough right? It's really tough. Um, and you can make silly videos. And I feel like teachers across the state ha have been doing that. You can um, set up those individual conference times. You can, you know, email parents. Um, you know, we have driven to some of our students' houses and just dropped stuff off and backed up from a safe distance and, and just wave, hey, you know, I know this is what I look like. You know, a lot of schools, they're doing those parades where they'll just drive through. And, you know, it's not the same. Uh, as obviously being in person. But again, it, it just speaks to the fact that as teachers, we are willing to do whatever we need to do to, to help and make sure that our students are, are learning. Um, do you remember, uh, go back to March 13th, and then all of a sudden that switch occurred. Uh, do you remember what you said to them? <laughs> I think I said, hopefully this only lasts a few weeks. If I think about it. <laughs> um, but again, I think that speaks to the hope, right? That, that, that fact that, that we uh, are looking forward to the day when there's a vaccine or, you know, th that we're able to get safely in the same space. And, uh, you know, I feel like every day when, when we open up our email, when we log on to, or when we're checking our news that, you know, I know the election's going on now and that's kind of the, the top of the, the news cycle now. But, you know, I, I know, I feel like every day, there's that discussion that, or that kind of thing that's hidden at the back of our, our minds is, okay, maybe today's the day when they'll, when, when we know that we'll be able to see our students and it won't be a 10, 15 students in the classroom minimum. We won't have this six feet apart. We won't have, 
um, you know, this sense of what people are saying the new normal is going to be. But instead, we can get back to that, that, that sense where, hey, here's the 25 students in my class. These are the kids that I'm looking forward to seeing every single morning and, you know, worrying about every single night. Um, but, but I feel like there's that hope that, you know, one day school will get back to that. And who knows when that could be our, hopefully, hopefully this is the only year that, that kind of feels like it's this, you know, kind of a, a fluke year. Um, but, but moving forward, um, there, there's definitely hope there. Do you think the transition back to normal will occur just about as quickly um, and, and maybe um, hopefully as uh, as easily as the switch that turned off and and all, all of a sudden we found ourselves in Zoom. Do you you think the kids are so adaptable? Uh, they're they're going to be fine. You're you're going to be prepared. Again, uh, the parents are probably going to be relieved. I mean, no no one's going to say it's going to be easy, but but hopefully, do, are you confident that it'll happen? right away and, and, and easily uh, rather than difficult? I think it, it kind of depends on the school district. Um, you know, I worked in Eminence, Kentucky for, for four years, small school district, you know, about six or 700 students in the whole district, K to 12. Um, in districts like, like that one, I think it's a lot easier to kind of make that switch where, you know, you don't have 30 or 40,000 students that you're trying to make like blanket decisions on. Um, here in Fayette County, I think, you know, there obviously might be some time where, you know, once the decision's made that, hey, we can safely get back into our buildings, we can get back to, you know, we don't have to worry about reduced class sizes anymore, um, I, I think that in larger school districts, that that transition might be a little bit more more difficult. But I think the fact that when they when that decision's finally made, I feel like just you'll have this sense of relief, not only coming from from parents at home, like yeah, I've got my time when I can get caught up on work, um, but also just from from students who going to be well over a year, I feel like, until they've actually sat in a classroom. Teachers getting the chance to actually teach a lesson where we don't have to use the phrase, share my screen, or use the word Zoom as a noun, you know. Um, So I just feel like there's so much hope. I mean, it's definitely, everyone has that sense that it feels like it's going to be a long winter, but that, that idea of hope, I feel like, is in a lot of teachers' minds. Donnie's been named Kentucky Teacher of the Year and also uh, Kentucky Elementary Teacher of the Year. And we'll hear more from Donnie right after this word from another great educator in Kentucky, our underwriter, Spalding University. At Spalding University's School of Creative and Professional Writing, students develop mastery of the writing skills, highly prized in today's workplace, including arts and humanities organizations, government agencies, corporations, and small businesses. A professional writing student will explore opportunities writing for trade and consumer media, including reviews, profiles, interviews, and articles for sports, food, travel, health and science, and other publications. Learn more at spalding.edu slash schoolofwriting or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. Talking with Donnie Piercy, who is the Kentucky Teacher of the Year. And Donnie, you uh, 
uh, certainly have been honored before with um, a couple of things. Let me first tell listeners, uh, you graduated from Asbury. Uh, you have a master's from Auburn. Um, you've been teaching for 14 years. Um, uh, you, you've also received a, a National Geographic, is it pronounced Grosvenor? It's pronounced Grosvenor. Gil Grosvenor, Grosvenor was the editor for, for Nat Geo, yeah. Oh, um, a fellowship to Antarctica. When when did that occur? And tell tell us about that experience. So in 2018, uh, I was selected to be a National Geographic Grosvenor Teacher Fellow. Um, the the idea behind the fellowship was that they just take teachers from just around North America um, and send them to a a place that is the exact opposite of a classroom. And as an educator, like we would never have a chance to either, you know, go or, or pay for, for ourselves. Um, so in December of 2018, I got to go for, for two weeks, uh, two and a half weeks, if you include travel. Um, it was definitely an experience. Um, the, the challenge, like the idea behind the, the fellowship was to not just go and then come back and, you know, do the, the tongue in cheek, like, oh, I got to go to Antarctica thing. But, you know, the whole idea behind the fellowship is you're meant to go and then figure out how you can connect your, your classroom and the students in your, your class that year um, to the, the bottom of the world you know, to come up with something that you can either teach them about the place that you went um, or, or more importantly, help them understand that their place is a global citizen. Like what can we do in Kentucky um, as students or as just good citizens that um, to kind of take care of this remote place? Um, you know, it, it's funny just reflecting on it. Um, you know, we, we kind of got, you know, they told us beforehand you know, you can try to connect with your class while, while you're down there, um, but, you know, just be aware that the Wi-Fi probably won't be the best. Well, it's funny because I, I feel like there's a lot of lessons that that I learned during that experience that when you think about what remote teaching's like, you know, like, hey, sometimes we understand the best laid plans of mice and men fall apart. You know, it's like, hey, well, guys, I know Mr. Piercy was supposed to appear on, you know, the, the, the call right now, but I'm sorry, he's, you know, on the Antarctic Peninsula and his phone just is not working. Don't know why. Um, so I, I definitely feel like while, while the expedition w- was an incredible experience working alongside um, Nat Geo explorers, photographers, getting a chance to, I, I had my students before I left, you know, they, they, I had them do a whole bunch of research on uh, people like Shackleton who have explored, um, you know, we learned about penguin populations. We even found a, a citizen science website called Penguin Counter, where you can go and actually count and some of these penguin colonies, and then they use that for, for research at Oxford University. Hey, you know, are the penguin populations changing here? Um, so I had all my students before I, I went, you know, record questions that they would like answered. And my original plan was, was to have me, re, you know, to, to, to record the answers to these questions and learn very quickly. I am not an expert, um, but all the explorers that were on board, they, they heard about what I was trying to do. They heard about, you know, some of the questions that my students were asking. They said, well, why don't you just film us and we can answer these questions for your students. And when you get back, you can play it for them. And I'm like, that's a lot. That's a lot better. So um, the explorers, it was incredible. They, they addressed my students by name. 
you know, they, they talked about how, you know, their questions were, were great. And when I was able to get back to the classroom, um, when they got to watch the, this person who studies Antarctic, you know, kelp for, uh, not kelp, you know, study uh, Antarctic life for a living, addressing them by name and answering their question. It was one of those things as a teacher that, that you'll never forget, you know. Um, and, and the students won't forget it either. Yeah. And that's the point, right? I had um, some, you know, you do that thing where you ask students, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, a lot of my students, you know, there's always at the start of the year, I want to be an NFL player and I want to be, you know, be a video game designer, which, which are fine. Like if those careers work out for you, by all means, go for it. But I'll never forget there was one girl in my class that when she got her question about climate change, answered by like someone who studies glaciers for a living. And she just got it in her head. She's like, I think I want to be an explorer when I grow up. It was one of those, like, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a super emotional guy, but it was one of those moments where like, oh my gosh, this whole trip was worth it. Well, tell me, uh, you're also given credit for uh, something called the Google Cardboard book. Tell me yeah. about that. So um, back in 2013, um, I started doing just some work with Google for Education. Um, I got invited to go down to Sydney, Australia to just be connected with um, some other, you know, googly teachers, you know, people who have used their apps in the past. And when I was down there, I heard about this new um, thing that was coming out. They were going to call it Google Cardboard. Um, the, the best way to describe what it was, do you remember the view masters, right? You could kind of look in, it was like that stereoscopic view. Um, but the idea behind the, the Google cardboard was it was a, a cheap, I mean, it made a cardboard, had the same stereoscopic lenses where, you know, you can look in it and it looks like, you know, you're under the sea or you're at, at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. It's got that you know, that 2D kind of 3D depth to it. But the idea is instead of one of those little spinny discs that you put in it, you put your phone in it. And the idea is you can look anywhere and be transported to anywhere in the world. And um, back in 2016, just some friends of mine were like, well, how, you know, this is cool, but what could this look like in, in the classroom? You know, like as educators, how can a, a, a you know, cheap tool, not cheap in terms of like it falls apart, but inexpensive tool like this virtual reality. How could we practically use this to adapt our lessons, to transform the things that, that we're doing? So we just started writing through some chapters together. And um, it, it's been fun. You know, when you reflect on, on your practice and start to put it into um, kind of the written word instead of just hanging up in your head all day. Uh, it's cool. It's the kind of thing that, you know, even now, four years after writing the book, a lot of the um, lessons and activities that I was doing back then, obviously, you know, you adapt them year after year. This is what we good teachers do. Um, it, it was a cool experience. Is it difficult to be hopeful about the future of education in Kentucky or in the world, for that matter, during this period of dealing with COVID? Or again, do you think the, the transition from, and hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later, a coronavirus world to normalcy um, gives you some optimism that, that we're going to be okay, that education, that kids are going to learn, they'll still be 
engaged, that teachers are going to be excited? Or has this kind of put a a dent in things uh, for a time period? So, you know, whenever there there's crises, right? You know, I, I'm kind of reminded of like a volcanic eruption, you know, it's just, you know, bad things are happening. It's a pretty explosive event. Um, but after a volcanic eruption, there, there's always those, those small patches of land that remain. And then from that, you know, life comes back again. You know, you have trees and plants and grass that start to appear just from the, that small patch. And COVID, in a sense, like I think for education as a whole, it's starting to expose a lot of those um, inequities and, and just things that, I mean, they existed long before COVID was here. And back in March, districts, not just here in Kentucky, but all around the world, were, were forced to grapple with that, that question of, okay, what really matters in education? What are the things that, as we're trying to teach virtually, as we're trying to adapt on the fly or, or learn you know, how this, this digital tool works, what, what are the things that, that, that really matter? You know? And the things that, that I feel like teachers are, are holding on to and are realizing that it's just tough to do over a Zoom call is that idea of relationship. It's that idea of, of creativity. It's that idea of um, just, just spending time in a physical space w- with somebody. You know, it, it, we've always, we've joked about like, what, what would this look like 25 years ago if we're trying to text each of our students over our Nokia flip flops? You know, it's definitely not the same. And it's, it's definitely more manageable now than it would have been, you know, at the turn of, uh, of the millennium. But I do feel like moving forward, when we get back in those buildings um, where, you know, it's no longer six feet apart, there's going to be such an appreciation for the fact that we can high five our students again when they walk in our building and we don't have to worry about, you know, life stalling them down afterwards. Um, and not just from, from teachers, students are missing it too. Um, I, you know, I feel like if you're an extrovert, um, and you're in a classroom, a virtual classroom, if you're someone who doesn't mind looking at themselves on, on camera and really doesn't have as many like social anxieties as some other students, yeah, it, it's tough, but at least you can still talk. Um, but if you're someone who, who really just when they see themselves on camera, when they, they, they feel like there's 25 sets of eyes that are just looking at them as they're speaking, I mean, this is really, really hard. Um, and so, you know, it, it, when we can all safely get back together, th- there's definitely going to be a much greater appreciation. And I guess just, it's just thankfulness of, hey, do you remember what that was like? <laughs> you know, do you remember how tough that was? That is such a, um, a an optimistic um, way to end uh, our conversation, Donnie. But I want to I want to go one step farther and and we'll try to return to the to the the brightness of uh, of what the future could be and that is doesn't your and i don't know if you have any um in in metropolitan lexington if you have any kids families uh, without uh, wi-fi or, or without the tools do, doesn't your heart ache when you either witness it yourself as a teacher or uh, read about it or, or i hear stories where we're leaving so many uh children behind because they just don't have the simple tools and uh, somebody down the block might have good Wi-Fi or they're having to go to a, a parking lot 
uh, in their car uh, with their parents just so they can pick up the Walmart Wi-Fi or, or whatever. Is, can, can we overcome that too? So that's another, we, we talked about how districts were kind of thrown into this position where they, they were forced to reth, wrestle with this idea of, of equity, you know, of what, it, what should we be doing, not just for students who already have access, but for every student to make sure that there's fair learning um, happening in not just our top schools, not just our bottom schools, but for, for everybody. Um, and so the, the question that, that I've been talking to a lot of the, the admins that, that I know is, hey, when this whole thing is over with, um, are you really going to start charging, you know, a hundred dollars a year? Again, I haven't been told the numbers, but are you really going to go and take that Wi-Fi router back from that student? Because guess what? She's not just using it for her homework to learn after school, but her mom is also using it so she can pay her bills online. Um, you know, are you really going to go back to that that outdated practice of charging students, you know, $150 at the start of the year, just in case they break their Chromebook that they're taking home. Um, and so I feel like, um, you know, I'm, we're pretty fortunate in, in Fayette County. Um, you know, when the pandemic hit our, our um, IT team, they said, look, just send the devices home, make sure that every student in your device has, um, has something that they can connect with. Um, if call parents, if you know, if you don't see students for a while, please, please call them, reach out to them, see what's going on. We will do what has to be done. But I know that's not the same in every district, not just, not just here in Kentucky, but all around the United States. Um, so I, I feel like that when we get back, when, you know, as we start to, to move forward, um, I do think that that's something that school districts are going to have to start rethinking. You know, what is the best practice for our kids? Well, you are a, a terrific um, example and, and role model for uh, so many. And uh, obviously uh, the honor as uh, teacher of the year, along with many, many teachers of the year um, uh, throughout the history of <clears throat> Kentucky education. But but um, I, I would bet you would probably uh, uh, be able to recognize and name uh, a lot of other teachers of the year uh, that don't have the, the, the title or the honor, but uh, you know that they're good uh, folks out there really working hard. And I'll tell you what, if I um, ever get back to the fifth grade and maybe have to repeat that, I, I'm going to ask for Mr. Piercy, uh, if I can be assigned to his class. Yeah, we'll gladly well, have you. Thanks so much, uh, Donnie Piercy, for joining us uh, today on Think Humanities. Thank you. Awesome. That was fun. Thank you all so much. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities. Think Humanities.